This is time each and every Erev Shabbos, every Friday morning. Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, addresses us concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the re- privilege of reading Parshas Vayeshev. Parshas Vayeshev, which begins the story of Yosef and his brothers, brings us to the sale of Yosef by his brothers, brings us to Yosef in Mitzrayim, to which we will, please God, return after we discuss, please God, the forthcoming Yom Tov of Hanukkah, which we begin observing this coming Sunday evening. Let's remind ourselves that there are seven rabbinic mitzvos and the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah is one of the seven rabbinic mitzvos. The Talmud tells us in the Gemara Shabbos 21b that beginning with the 25th of Kislev there are eight days of Hanukkah on which it is forbidden to eulogize or to fast. For when the Greeks entered the Beis Hamikdash, the sanctuary of our temple, they defiled all the oil in the sanctuary. And when the Hashmonian dynasty proved victorious, they discovered but one undisturbed jug of oil with the seal of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. And there was enough oil to burn for only one day. A miracle occurred. They kindled with it for eight days. And the following year, the rabbis established these eight days, made them as a festival for Hallel and Hodoya, praise and thanksgiving. I'd like to begin with the three blessings that we're going to be reciting, please God, this coming Sunday night. And they are the blessing of Lahadlik Ne'er Shel Hanukkah, literally to light the Hanukkah lights. The second one, She'osonisim Lavosinu, that God performed miracles for our ancestors in yesteryear at this time. And finally, Shehachiyanu, the blessing that God has brought us to, thank God, another Yom Tov, another occasion, this time Hanukkah. On Sunday night, we say the three brachos each, and the three brachos are recited prior to the lighting of the first Hanukkah light. On each subsequent night, we do not say the Shekhyonu again, we only say the first two can, first two blessings. Now, interestingly, I'd like to focus for a moment on Lahadlik Ne'er Shekhanaka, to light the Chanaka light. From the letter of the law, one candle, Ne'er Ish Ubeso, is sufficient each and every night of the night of Chanaka. On the fourth night, sixth night, eighth night, one is sufficient. However, the Talmud tells us that there are stages and degrees and progression that we don't only light one per night, but 
as we follow the halacha, following a school of Beis Hillel, each night we are holech umosif, each night we add first night one, second night two, etc. So on the last night, we have eight. Now, why do we have these different levels of performance of the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah, something which you don't have with most mitzvahs? And an answer, which is a very important one, which will give us a key to Hanukkah, is the following. From the letter of the law, they really did not need the whole miracle of Hanukkah. What does that mean? There is a halachic concept that Tuma Hutra Bitsibur. If the majority, 51% or more, of the community are Tomei, ritually impure, then you can have a functioning base Hamigdash, even in a state of impurity. Well, if that's the case, the majority of the Jewish people were impure at the time of Hanukkah. Why did we need the whole miracle in the first place? And the answers suggest our rabbi is as follows. The Jewish people at the time of Hanukkah were not satisfied with using the impure oil, they went out of their way and looked and looked and looked and looked until they found one pure jug of oil. Because we went out of our way demonstrating that the lighting of the menorah was something exceedingly important to us, God went out of His way and made a miracle for us that the oil lasted for eight days. Hence, we too, while we can satisfy the obligation each and every night with one candle, we also, quote, go out of our way, and we don't do bare bone minimum, but we do hidur mitzvah, we enhance glorify, beautify the mitzvah, because this reflects the entire tone of Hanukkah. Now, on who is obligated? Men, women, and children who have reached the age of chinuch are required to light the Hanukkah candles. Women are obligated, says Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, because Afhain Hoyu Ba'oso Hanes. They too were included, involved in the miracle, which according to the Rajbam is not simply that their spiritual destiny was at stake, just as the men, but no, they helped bring about the military victory and the uprising by Yehudis the daughter of the Kohen Gadol, when the law was that the virgin bride had to go and spend the night before her wedding with the governor, she gave him first some cheese and then afterwards wine. And when she then beheaded him, this spurned on the rebellion against the Greeks so therefore, according to the Rashbam, 
women earned their place within their Hanukkah, and so it's not like Sukkah, which is a positive mitzvah governed by time, that if they want to sit in the sukkahs, they can, but they're certainly not obligated. Here, they are obligated. And not only are they obligated, but if the man of the house is not coming home for any reason, then, from the letter of the law, the woman can light the menorah in the house on his behalf as well. So women are obligated, men are obligated, and Ashkenazic practice is that each individual, except for the wife, lights their own menorah. Within different communities, there are different customs about unmarried girls. But certainly, the men and young men, each boy will light their own menorah. The Ashkenaz, the Sephardic practice is one menorah per household. The menorah is filled with oil or candles from the right side of the menorah facing the person, with the person facing menorah, and with each night an additional cup is filled and we begin the lighting from left to right. We fill it from right to left, we light it from left to right, the new candle each night is the one on the extreme left. Now, there is the very important factor of Persumenisa, of publicizing the miracle regarding their Hanukkah. Why? Because at the time of Hanukkah, the threat was basically one of assimilation, namely that the Jews were very much following in the Greek fashion. And so, to demonstrate that I am proud to be a Jew, and I am not assimilating, the practice was, initially, the Ner was placed in front of the house, as is coming back in Eretz Yisrael, with many, many lighting in front of their homes. And... Wherever possible, Jews lit by the window, proudly proclaiming their identification and pride with belonging to the Jewish people. Now, the proper time for lighting the menorah is with Seis HaKochavim, approximately a half an hour after sunset, which is approximately 5 o'clock, 5.05 would be the ideal time. However, given that many people are not at home, one can light the menorah as long as persons are up in the home, ideally in the earlier part of the evening. Now, whenever one lights the menorah, the oil, candles has to be able to burn for at least a half an hour. After the half an hour, if one wants to, one can extinguish, blow them out. However, ideally, keep it going, and you'll be keeping Persume Nisa, publicizing the miracle, going as well. Now, the idea behind the um, putting the menorah in the window is that 
more people should be able to see it. If one lives high up in an apartment house and placing it there will not be seen from the street, then by all means it should be placed in the home, in the apartment, that the people in the apartment should be able to see it. Once the candles and oil have been lit, Kavsa Enozakakla, and there was enough fuel to go for half an hour, should they go out by themselves, one need not relight them. If one wants to relight them, they can, but without a bracha. We will be speaking, please God, next week, before Shabbos Hanukkah, about the laws of uh, Shabbos Hanukkah, how long they have to burn, etc. I will say that the earliest you could light near Hanukkah with a bracha is from Plag HaMincha, under extenuating circumstances, which is approximately an hour and a quarter before sunset, a little after 3.30. But if you were to light the near Hanukkah at that time, you'd have to light with enough oil or enough candle that it should be able to burn until approximately 5.30, which is a half an hour after the ideal time for um, lighting the menorah. In contrast to Ne'er Shabbos, where one is to get benefit from the uh, Ne'er Shabbos, by Ne'er Hanukkah, one is not to get benefit from the Ne'er Hanukkah, because they were lighting candles every night. In this way, it showed that these candles and these lights were being lit for the purpose of the mitzvah exclusively. Therefore, common practice is that we have in our menorah an additional light called the shamash that just in case somebody were to get benefit from the Ner Hanukkah, we would attribute the benefit that he gets by the light of the shamash. Immediately after you've lit the first candle, so A, this Sunday night, and throughout the week after you lit candle one, you begin saying the paragraph, Haneros Halolo, a declaration whereby one says that these candles are not for our utilitarian purpose, but they are holy. We don't have um, the opportunity or we are not allowed to get benefit from them. Finally, on Hanukkah, we say Hallel, the full Hallel, each and every morning after the Shemona Esrei in Shacharis. In the Shemona Esrei of both uh, all the Tfilos, we add Alanisim, and in the Birkasa uh, Mazon as well, we add Al Hanisim. If one forgot the Al Hanisim in either or, the Shmona Esrei or Birkasa Mazon, one need not um, uh, repeat either or the Shmona Esrei or Birkasa Mazon. Finally, unlike Purim, where there is an obligation to have a Purim Suda, here on Hanukkah, one is prohibited from fasting. But one need not have a Hanukkah meal. That families get together on Hanukkah is wonderful and beautiful. After all, you can drive, and it's an opportunity for families to so do. And if they have festive meals, wonderful. Then by all means, sing the proper songs, giving thanks to Hashem, include Divrei Torah, and make those meals a 
Seudas Mitzvah. I want to just connect very quickly Hanukkah with Parshas Vayeshev. The rabbis tell us that one of the decrees that the Greeks had against the Jews is they had a decree of Kisvu Lachem Al Keren Hashor right on literally the horn of the ox that you are renouncing your share in the God of Israel. Now what's going on here? So one of the many explanations given to this is as follows. In yesteryear, the ox was our pickup truck, our tractor, literally the vehicle through which they did their work. In other words, their parnasa their livelihood, and therefore they were saying that your livelihood is up to you, not coming from God. There's a very basic Kulturkampf, uh, very basic cultural war between the Greeks who were proud of their philosophy, were proud of their, you know, having great intellectual life, and the Jewish people. What was the issue? The issue is they believed in Seichel Anushi. They believed that man is endowed with intelligence. What man understands, that he does. What he doesn't understand, that he doesn't have to do. And we have not only the, the Seichel Anushi of man, but we have Seichel Eloki, that of God himself in our Torah. And indeed, in the Alanisim that we say, they wanted to, to make us forget your Torah, and to veer us away from your chukim, from your laws that to them and even to us don't have a reason. But we do it because we believe that God has given it to us. And they have a society without God. And so we believe on Rosh Hashanah, Mi or Sheer, Mi or Ni, who is going to be more prosperous and who will be less prosperous. However, they were saying, oh no, God is not involved in your making a living. This very basic uh, point of literally uh, contrast and more important, this point of sharp difference between the Greeks and the Jews and our ridding ourselves of those Jews who were the Hellenists and accepted this philosophy can be seen so beautifully in the parasha whereby Yosef, what are we told when he sold to Potiphar in Mitzrayim that Vayar Adonav in chapter 39, Pasuk 3 his master saw Ki Hashem Ito, the God was with him how did that happen? says Rashi, Shem Shemayim Shogur Befiv that Yosef was accomplished and everything he did is succeeded, but he brought the name of God into it. This is exactly the opposite of what the Greeks wanted us to do. And I say with a great sense of pride, having God at the center of our universe, as opposed to having man at the center of our universe, produces a different kind of a person. One who's not only concerned about himself, one who's concerned about serving God and serving others. And therefore, on that note, I just want to say with a great sense of pride that we all wish Nachum a great deal of success in his forthcoming trip to Paris, France next week, whereby on Wednesday, 
and Thursday, he will be broadcasting from Paris in order to show unity. And this idea is that his trip to France to declare to the audience who's listening here and indeed all around the world that when Jews are in challenging situations, Jews in other parts of the world care and feel their pain. And the collective Jewish heart aches when our brothers and sisters are in distress. Please God, Nachum will be uh, uh, presenting a major Jewish music concert next Wednesday night of Hanukkah at the Great Synagogue of Paris. We say to you, Nachum, you should go gesund, kumsarik gesund, come back well, and we are so proud of the pride that you um, exhibit. Your Pursume Nisa, your persona is one of Pursume Nisa, and you should be Matzliach, and you are truly our representative to the people of Paris. I take this opportunity of wishing everybody a Shabbat Shalom, and a Mirzah Hashem, a Lichtaka, Freilacha, a Chanukah, which is inspiring, a Chanukah which reminds all of us that just as in yesteryear we fought not to assimilate, that's what we have to do as well today. Shabbat Shalom to all.